Hey, honeys, I have something exclusive to tell you. You can hear episodes of my show and 30 others, Harmontown, Drinky Fun Time, Dumpable Town, before anyone else on TuneIn First Play. Lucky you. You can listen right now on the TuneIn app. Play Nashville a week early. You're like living in a time machine, baby. So why don't you check it out? All you have to do is download the TuneIn app and listen for free. This is like being a podcast VIP. Don't forget, they also have live sports, news, music, audiobooks. It's enabled in Apple CarPlay, so I think you should check it out. All you have to do is go to tunein.com slash Natchbute. Tune in, baby. Feral Audio. Welcome to Twisting the Wind. You never had your duckies in your body. You never had your dog in the money. You wanna get lonely, you wanna quit it again. Welcome. Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> whatever that you need. This is your body. This is your body. This is your body. This is your body. It's your Jewish grandma. It's your Jewish grandma. You get to call her Bubby. It sucks to be white. <laughs> hey. Twisting the wind Sometimes it's a good one And other times it's even better Than the one you saw before Sometimes you find something in the moment And sticks with you Sometimes you move forward And kill a little Pikachu Sometimes you get it up Sometimes you get it down Sometimes you move it backwards And you move it all around Yeah Welcome to Twisting the Wind My name is Johnny Pemberton You're listening to this podcast right now Currently courtesy of the Feral Audio Network Helmed by Majestic Sound Prince 
Dustin Marshall. Shirl, shirl, shirl. Some syllables are hard to repeat in an echo fashion, okay? So sue me. Ah, that's the name of my Japanese butler. <laughs> Here's the deal, okay? Uh, I'm here right now. I'm here with you. I want to be here with you right now, uh, just in the moment. Uh, this is a we got a really good podcast coming up here. Actually, it's not coming up. It's really good right now. If you were to say it wasn't good right now, then um, this is probably not the podcast for you, man, <laughs> or woman, or or dog, or but all dogs are boys, aren't they? Didn't we, didn't we already establish that a long time ago when we were kids? I'm just trying to get it out of my head right now because it's uh sometimes it's easy to think about everything you do and think about uh, the person who hates everything the most and what they would think about it. Isn't that a great way to live life? Is a, is to consider what the uh, what the most judgmental, um, self righteous prick thinks about what you're doing. How do you, hey uh, hey uh, uh, beautiful um, beautiful personally successful artist? How do you? Just how do you do your work? Well, I um, I sit down at my art station and I think about the most judgmental, self-righteous piece of shit I know who's super unhappy and, and hates all kinds of things and just judges everyone based upon some sort of weird, uh, un- outdated, unknowable rubric. And I think what they would think about my art and then I go from there. Because if they're going to like it, then it's... it's the, the person who likes nothing and they're, they're going to like it, then that's what I want to do. I want to really definitely be working from the point of, um, of like, you know, sort of like, like a prisoner and a prison guard. That's how I like to do my art. I think the, the prison guard and the art is the prisoner and I am the prisoner and the art at the same time. And the guard is someone who I have to make happy in a situation that's impossible. Okay. Isn't that how we all pursue our art? Maybe don't do art. It's okay. Not everyone should do art. What is art? Who knows? I don't really know. No one really knows anymore. You can just, you can call anything art. You really can. That's the great thing about art. Is it? It's uh, it can be anything, and it's gonna piss people off until we all die together, shooting ourselves in a in a gymnasium that's been locked from the outside. A uh, really great episode of the podcast today. It's a long. I mean, I say long in a that almost had a negative tone kind of kind of connotation to it. That's not a word though, but I made it one because it's you can make words if you want to. It's you're allowed to do it the fuck you want. Isn't that cool? You can. Um, wish I had learned that sooner, but it's okay. All, all things do come in time. That's good. Great podcast. Uh, it is a lengthy interview with a man named Chris Crofton. A great person. Uh, there's so much. To, I mean, Chris is a comedian. He's a writer. He's a musician. He's recorded many albums. He's a fucking bomb vivant, or maybe former bomb vivant. I, I equate bomb vivant with someone who drinks a lot, but that isn't, that's sort of unfair to bomb vivants and to alcohol. So alcohol is like, hey, man, we're not always just fun. Come on, sometimes we're sad. Actually, but alcohol is almost mostly never, not, not that fun, right? It's sort of an, something fun is happening and alcohol happens to be present and it takes, it takes the, uh, it takes the credit for it. <laughs> man, we got super drunk and hit the, and went surfing. Man, I love drinking. <laughs> That'd be funny if someone was like that. I mean, there, I'm sure there are people out there who are like that, who, right, who just, uh, they just they 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 miss the mark completely in terms of what is the reason for something happening like uh, yeah whatever that just evolved into a real good point didn't it well either way 
uh, happy to have you here. Please rate and review the podcast. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast if you have it on iTunes. Did you know that every podcast is on iTunes? This one is, which means it's special and been approved by the, the overlord. But guess what? This podcast has never been featured on iTunes page. It's never been featured in New and Noteworthy. It's never been featured in Badass and Cool. It's never been featured in Funky and Chunky. It's never been featured in Outlandish and, Outlandish and uh, Inside Out. It's never been featured in any sort of thing like that. And that would account for um, a lot of the, uh, maybe the numbers because that's something that you, you get a real bump jump when you get featured. Everybody, it's all about getting featured. If you get featured, then you get that fucking bump. You get that little kick, that little kicker. Because some, some Joe Joe Jackson smack smack ass asshole, some funk funk store funk grabber, some fucking diddly boy. One of those one of those freaking Dorval calluses or like a Stevie Parsman type, you know. Hey, it's Divi Parsman. Um, your mom left her sunglasses at my house, so I thought I would call and see what you guys are up to. We're going to be over there for a couple of days, but we're going to come back down after we pick up um, Darwin and uh, Michael, and then we're going to go to the Michaelsons for a couple of days, but we heard about the podcast. We saw it on New and Noteworthy. It was featured. Oh, my God. We heard you got featured. What a cool experience to be featured. What a cool experience. You must be so happy you got featured. So... Divi Parsnip will be by. And, you know, she runs that whole conglomeration of groups that get together and talk about the things that they're not a part of. And she's definitely going to want you to be in the anointment circle now that you've been new and noteworthy. We're so excited for your presence. We're so excited for your success. Wear this t-shirt. Wear this t-shirt my brother designed. It's made of a special webboard fabric that's guaranteed to excel your noteworthiness into our dimension. Okay, please, 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 please. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, those types and stuff. It's okay. We're all here together. It's going to be great. You guys like being here. You ladies, you men, you guys, you freaks, you're fun. train of doing whatever this is uh i guess so no not really just kidding there's only one john coltrane and he did the he's the john coltrane of being john coltrane for sure speaking of john coltrane um did you ever figure out the reason that uh oh my god hello Hello. Ja, ja. Hello. Yeah, I sound yeah, fine. That I think. Yeah, good. Okay. These are adjustable mic stands. You can do whatever you want. 
mic stand, you can like make a sound and do this. You can get further away. So what do you do on this thing? Do you do? Because I've never listened to Twisting oh, Wind. Well, this uh, is it, man. Because I'm an asshole. But uh, <laughs> it, it, the, uh, <laughs> the, the do you do you do a character or anything? No, I mean sometimes we we do whatever we want to do. But, but do you do? Because mm, for me, really. when I see you perform, right, that's how I've mostly known you. This character so, stuff, yeah. So are you a strange person normally? Or are you a regular person? I'm not sure. I guess I'm probably a strange person normally, but I mean. But do you play a character? You don't. I mean, no. You don't, this is me. This is you're me. You just man. you don't do any kind of like 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 Harmony Corinne kind of stuff where you're like all the time screwing around with people. No. Okay. I mean, I think I tend to I tend to fuck with people who <laughs> I don't care about or someone who I don't like, <laughs> like people who like an, someone in an airport or someone with driving a Range Rover. Really? Anyone? Yeah. You'll like fuck with them even if there's nobody watching or anything. Yeah, because I get bored with them or like I don't like their lifestyle. So sometimes I'll just right. intentionally sort of create some type of a um, a lie or some sort of That's a, interesting. some sort of a thing where. Something to fuck with them, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I, uh, I, I don't do that. I'm like, unfortunately, I'm I'm extremely straightforward. Can. It's really annoying. Really? No, it's not. Well, it's hard for me. It's like, uh, it's not really hard, but it's it's kind of weird for a comic. Like, I don't have as much. Uh, well, we could talk about it on the show. We are, we are talking about. It. We're, we're rolling. Are we really? <laughs> Oh, Oops. it's one of those fucking things. So you do fuck with people. Well, I'm not fucking with people. It's the opposite. What happens, it's like if people are too, uh, you know, it's like a thing where, okay, and uh, okay, now we're now we're going. It's like a, if you make a Holy shit. hot coffee. Fucking yum yum. Fucking heats their fucking coffee up. Holy oh, shit. shit. How long ago did you, uh, did you uh, buy oh, that? Oh, fuck. You I just, just got tongue I just got it. Yeah, I mean, it's like... Uh, <laughs> God damn! Take the cover off. I took a big slug of it. You dude. also don't have to use that coaster. I just someone made these for the show. <laughs> Hold on, I have to give her a shout out. Okay. Some nice Canadian girl made coasters and sent them to me. This is one of the few gifts I've ever gotten the podcast. What's her name? Her name is uh, one of the few guests or gifts. Oh, gifts. Gifts. Mary, thanks, Mary, for the, the, the coconut. Podcast co- coasters. That's nice. These are coconuts. Yeah, they're cute. Yeah. So I never said thank you. You familiar with Jimmy Snuka? No. Who is that? You don't know who Jimmy Snuka? I is? know that name. I fucking know the name, <clears throat> Jimmy Snuka. Jesus Christ! I can't believe you don't know who that is. What are you um, talking about, man? He's a professional wrestler. Uh, Some into the professional wrestling thing. You're not. I'm not. I don't think it's bad, but a lot of people I know are into that. Well, I'm very old. I guess. So yeah, I'm, I'm 46. Old. Yeah, right. I'm, that's I'm not a, very old. Right, but. People sometimes think I'm a little bit younger than that, but I'm 46. Really? My dad is 66. I don't think he's very old. Well, no. I mean, that's not old for a dad. I guess so. God. I, I got See, that's old. What? Just all that throat clearing. That's nah, not, that's, just, that's just con- temporary condition, right? Yeah, but I do it a lot. Um, well, you should, say, you should say who you are. Oh, my name is Chris Crofton. His and, name uh, is Chris Crofton. And I uh, came out to... Came out to Los Angeles a year ago, from a year and a month ago from Nashville. I was in Nashville for 13 years. You're a comedian and you're a musician. I'm a comedian and a musician. I was uh, a musician for a long time. Uh-huh. I drank for a long time, a lot. And right. uh, then I quit drinking and um, uh, I'm still doing music. I'm just not doing my band at, at the moment. My right. band was called Chris Crofton and the Alcohol Stunt Band. <laughs> and we were real popular in, in, Nashville. in Nashville and like uh, some surrounding places that we could get to. Right. But I had to stay in Nashville because every time I went on the road, I 
I behaved like uh, it was 1974. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> what does that mean exactly? No sex. Not, not sexually, of course, but okay. just just drug wise. Just like I would do coke. Like I don't know, really? f- 15 minutes out of town, I'd start doing coke, and my friends would be like, "What are you doing?" I'd be like, "It's the road, baby." It's the road. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're like, "What's not the road? We're like 15 minutes. Yeah, we're going to Murfreesboro. It's like a half hour away." So you do like a we have like a how would you do coke? Like uh, just make up a line on a CD case or what? No, I just remember CDs. I no, came to New York. No, it's not pre-CDs. Oh, Holy I hell. Just, no, you just said 74, so in my head, it put, oh, okay, me, yeah. it put me to that No, point, I was five in 1974. Okay, um, yeah, you're not. <laughs> no CDs, no code. I'm not that old, but I... I know. But I came out... Uh, anyway, after we, I got sober, and I I couldn't run the alcohol stunt band anymore, mm-hmm. and I was a, a loud, dirty front man in the tradition of, like, the Jesus Lizard, you know my my right. my friend back um, in like ninety one. Well, I was graduating from college in nineteen ninety one. Where was that? Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut. Okay, fucking horrible. <laughs> like everyone there rose crew and has signet rings and shit. Oh really? Like it's, it's rich yeah. kids. Yeah. It's rich kids. It's like a. It's Protestant. It's it's, it's real. Uh, what's that word? Well, it's uh, nothing. Waspy. It's waspy, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Nobody there is religious. Really? I mean, they're just. Just they're just uh, they're white, r- very rich kids, and right. uh, Tucker Carlson went there. He's the guy. He from was my uh, class. Wow, that guy's kind of like a, a special piece prick. of shit. Yeah, yeah, bow tie prick. Yeah, that's that's the crowd. Okay, but I didn't. I knew Tucker Carlson in school, and he didn't. I didn't. I had no idea that he was. Uh, was he cool? Uh, he smoked pot and had like a braided be- braided leather belt that kind of like <laughs> hung down. Like that was a thing back then. It was yeah. like. Have a you had to have a leather braided belt that like hung down, like kind of like the end of it dipped. Yeah, like hung well, down, like, yeah. a, like an extra dick, like yeah. an external dick. Yes, yeah, yeah. Except that real was a thing, like a dick you could wear in front of your grandma. Right, like, you know, some fucking conservatives have all these weird They're traditional weird. Uh, dick references and things that are all hidden behind like wood and yeah. leather, wood and brass leather dick references. Yeah, they have like brass dildos and shit. <laughs> Um, but uh, I could talk forever about that because I grew up in a town like that. Right? What town? I grew up in New Canaan, Connecticut. New Canaan. Okay, I think I have heard of that. Actually, New Canaan is like has been parodied on yeah. Saturday Night Live as like a nightmare preppy town. Okay, how far away is it from a big city? It's from New. York. It's about fifty minutes by train from New York City. So it's a commuter town. Yes, for like for executives. For executives. Like yeah. everyone there was an executive. Really? It was like everybody's dad was a president of like a company. Like Merrill Lynch? Like yes. Financial crisis people? Everyone's dad made like, and this was in nineteen in the 70s. I oh, mean, shit. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. So like, you know, like yeah. when I was 14, uh, I was going to school and this was public school. Right. So like, these were like the down to earth rich people and they were still making, their dads were making like a couple million bucks a year back then, it's which is a, a ton. A yeah. And my dad, maybe at his height, made $150,000 a year, What'd which was still do? great back then. He worked on Wall Street. Okay. But uh, he, we never, he suffered from depression really badly and he kind of just moved us into that community and then he kind of fell asleep for really? for like 10 years and just let us have fun Do in this, the most competitive nightmare wealth based right the, people ask my regular question when i grew up was where's your summer house oh wow and where's your sometimes even where's your ski house jesus like you were some people had a summer house and a ski house god so i would just make shit up <laughs> i'd be like oh yeah like like the biggest lie that i had to tell on a regular basis was 
we had an above ground pool, which right. was very unfashionable where I, where I lived. <laughs> right. We were supposed to have an in-ground pool, yeah. like in a big way. Yeah, Everybody man. I knew had an in-ground pool. We were the only people I knew that had an above-ground pool. Such, and, such uh, tacky assholes. I had to say, because I had to, like, I, would e- I wouldn't even wait for them to ask, like, why we had an above-ground pool, because yeah. I knew it was coming. Because they'd already probably have said, like, sometimes kids would say, like, oh, your house is small and your house is dirty. Why is your house so dirty? <laughs> like, it's like. That's terrible. It's the kind of community where you can run into like an eleven-year-old who'll tell you about how their job creators, you know, who do everything. And oh, they, how, know, they know the byline for the. Yeah, oh, they know the agenda. conservative talking points, oh and they'll spit God. them out. And they never get out of that bubble, so that's where those people yeah. come from. They never get challenged. They stay yeah. in that right. lane all the way till. That's where you get people like George W. Bush or. Uh, Anyone from that? Any map. of those fuckers? Yeah, they yeah. never get exposed to another opinion. They're just spouting out the shit they've been listening to at the dinner table since they were six. Yeah, I feel like some way I kind of got that way a little bit, but not so much from hearing it at home, but because I wanted to have an opinion, so I would wa- I would read Rush Limbaugh, and it's so easy to read. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, sure. He's so easy to read, and it's, it's like maybe like a I don't know. It's how like it porn. Was. It's like gets you really yeah, excited because he's excited because the viewpoint is very mad. clear. Yeah. And he like lambasts people uh, based upon things that are easy to recognize. And then I'm, I remember being really into Rush Limbaugh and being this weird little like conservative 11 year old who would res- you know re- repeat this crap he read. And I think thinking about it now, my dad must have been like, what the fuck is going on here? Is your dad liberal? <laughs> he's not liberal, but he's not really that conservative either. He's sort of a, well, he's kind of run the gamut. I think he used to be. He's a doctor, so he's, doctors tend to be conservative, but they also tend to be not that political because they don't really care about, they don't have time to be super political because their money's not tied up in, they're not, they don't, their money's not tied up in uh, politics, things that are of a political nature, because if you're a doctor, you're going to make money no matter, people always get sick. Right. So, yeah, I don't think he was that conservative, but I think he had a conservative, a little bit of a conservative streak, so I think I picked up on that and thought that he was conservative and I should be conservative too mm-hmm. and so I got really into the far right crap yeah as a young kid I really young reading I did stuff. that too I got, it was it's, it's so embarrassing to think about it now because it's it's embarrassing but it's also not embarrassing because it's like okay that's that says something about that message if it's easy for Appeals a 10 year old to glom on yeah. to <laughs> and start to like espouse the the, uh, the the prophecy of Rush Limbaugh yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah it's simple uh it's uh, it, it's it blames things on it blames complicated problems on simple things like lazy people or you're with us or against us. Yeah, like uh, it's it's just uh, um, it's uh, uh it's a long story. I mean, I yeah. I, I grew up with that so heavily surrounded by that. Like, and my parents were were nice, very nice, and they were not super political. My dad was sort of a nihilist. <laughs> really? Because yeah, because he was so depressed. So he oh, would just shit. tell me when I was a kid. He'd just say like, "I don't care what you do or or what political party or whatever." He's like, "We're all specks of dust <laughs> in the universe, so it doesn't right. matter what you do." Right. He told me that from right. from the age of five. Wow. Like, he told me that all the time so because it was his way of pushing back against my mom, who was functional and also. It was a way to explain why he slept all day because he he did, he was embarrassed about his depression. So he was like, "It's right. not a, it's I'm not I'm not depressed. I'm I, this is a point of view. <laughs> like I'm expressing my point of view by okay. sleeping all day. I'm a nihilist." Right. And my mom was a normal, totally. She grew up conservative. Right. But she's also just a crazy person who loves music and loves 
human, like she's she used to listen to Monty Python records oh, wow. with me and stuff, and she and loved music. Like so, me and my mom hung out all the time. As my dad right. was, I was first born, and my dad was not around, you know, right. and he was... He was around, he just wasn't active? Yeah, he just didn't... And he would say stuff to me like, I'm Checked not going out. to your Little League game because they're boring, like that kind of stuff. Wow. He'd be like, in your face, you know, like, yeah. he'd be like, actually, more like, in your face, mom, because that's why I'm not going. I'm not not going because I'm depressed. I'm not going because they're stupid. But I'd be like, but I'm... Why but do I... But me. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Why do I have this glove? This baseball glove? That puts you in a weird spot And I kid. never... Yeah, and he never... Like played sports as a kid because his dad was really rich and his dad had uh, he had my dad was raised by uh, servants, wow. literally yeah like he never met he never he didn't meet he, but he never knew his dad or his mom really that really? well because they were always just like taking vacations. What did they do? His dad ran the grain exchange on the wow. when there was a separate grain exchange on Wall Street. Holy shit! So that's like uh, that's like big old money. And his dad was an alcoholic, and his dad also this. My dad's <laughs> dad was a my father was the firstborn of his second marriage. Jeez. My dad's dad had got so my dad's dad was already old when he had my dad. Right. So he died when my dad was twenty, and uh, but he also had married a woman, and and she died in childbirth. And with him. He, with the no with, with this the next with one. his with a with his a daughter from that first marriage who right. was close to my father, and um, uh, she committed suicide. Oh, a bit wow. later. But she part part of the reason she committed suicide is because the father didn't like her anymore because it reminded her of his dead first wife. Oh, geez. She reminded him of her his because he so he didn't like to talk about her mother like he didn't like to ever talk about it and he was an alcoholic so it was like yeah I'm not talking about it you know you know like you know what I mean? like it was like it was he yeah. was he was like born in like 1898 yeah or something. it was like a whole different a true ancient yeah back then you ever seen there will be blood. Yeah, it's like you know, that. He's the kind of guy you could drop heavy equipment on, and he's fine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like not now. You know, now nobody yeah. could do that. Yeah, he's a hard ass, like through and we're through. We're podcasters now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we can't. I feel like I, I just can thought take there will be blood for the first time recently. Oh, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? <laughs> it was pretty good till the end. Yeah. That scene at the end ruined the whole thing for me. It was I so stupid. Rem- I don't even remember because I feel like the, everything leading up to the end. It's that's what you're watching it for. You're watching it for all the stuff that happens. Ending's almost like it doesn't even matter. I was like, the acting is so... I thought, yeah. up until a point, I thought the acting was so good, and then the ending was so over the top that they turned all of yeah. all of Daniel Day Lewis's good acting into like the silliest acting I've ever seen. I don't but, remember. I think I tend to, if I, don't, if I don't care for something, I just sort of block it out so it doesn't ruin the things he that He yells at the preacher guy. There's a yeah. pre- preacher guy that comes right. by. Paul Dano. Yeah, and he comes yeah. by and says he needs to borrow money, right. or something, and or he wants the money for the for the land that right. that, uh, that Daniel Day Lewis took from him or something. But he drank his milkshake. That's that. One, yeah, and right. he does that, and then he, it's just too much. He says he he. he it goes I think it's from, on purpose, though. I feel like I think P.T. Anderson did that on purpose. I think so. Yeah, but I also think P.T. Anderson doesn't know how to end movies because he had. Uh, it's like he had. Uh, uh, he had uh, what's his name? Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman right. and uh, and uh, and uh, what's his name? Um, and Magnolia. Joaquin Phoenix at the end of. Uh, I didn't see Inherent Vice. No, no, the other one. Um, um, uh, the uh, going clear. I mean, the the oh, about I, the I L. Ron Hubbard. Either. I didn't see it. I gotta see it. Oh, okay, I won't tell you then. But it, it doesn't matter. The ending's just sometimes Paul Thomas Anderson, I think, just like is like, hmm, how do we end this? It's beautiful. It's yeah. amazing. It's like everything's so good. The acting's kicking ass. But how do we end it? I don't think there's. I don't think most movies have good endings. I think it's impossible. It's really hard to have a good ending. Yeah, I don't know enough about movies because oh. I drank so much. I'm not kidding. I right. never saw Forrest Gump because I was you, in the bar. When did you start drinking? 
I started drinking when I was 14. 14? But I started drinking. I started getting drunk every day when I was 18. Do you remember what happened when you were 14 when you first started drinking? Yeah, I drank beer and uh, I felt great. But was it like, what was the context? Were you like hanging out with, were you, who were you at that I was point? on a, I was preppy. I was part of that, trying my best to fit into that community, even right. though we didn't have that much money. So it was always like, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. And me just screaming, I needed this polo shirt or I was going to die kind of thing. Right. And it wasn't funny. It was like dead serious. Yeah, like I was sucks. like, I don't get this shirt. Like, I mean, and then my mom was like, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. You know, and I would cry. I mean, it was like, I would cry. I mean, it was, yeah. I cry about shirts and stuff. Cause I was like, I can't survive in this. I'm not going to be like, there was really, it was hard to figure out where to turn. I didn't have a viable alternative. There wasn't like, there wasn't like an artsy crowd there. Cause yeah. the, in, in that part of Connecticut, they blockade the arts. They, they don't even tell you about other, right. like, cultures they they i mean they, they, there was no internet or anything so you're just yeah. like i guess this is it you know what i mean i guess it's just steve miller band and like, steve and like band. i guess it's just steve miller band and like I get, being a, a doctor or a lawyer you know what i mean or a wall street yeah, guy right because they said to me i remember someone really saying this to me and i've never done this in stand-up but i want to uh <laughs> aspire to do this one-liner someday yeah. um I, they, some guy said to me, or some adult said to me, you're really funny, you should be a lawyer. Because <laughs> it was the only thing on yeah. the list where you got, they said in cross-examinations, you'll right. be funny. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I was, growing up as a kid, I thought the same thing, that I would be a lawyer, and that would, that's what you can do if you're verbal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can't be, no, a comedian, no, you can't do that. No, no. You can't do that. Well, no. you could be something like that. You could be a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's did, like, did you go to college and do do okay, and you don't want to be a doctor or an architect or something? I guess, I guess you could be a lawyer. Yeah, take the take the LSAT. Yeah, you'll make people laugh take, in the courtroom, yeah. and then you'll win your cases. And, and I, that's what I thought I was going to be. Yeah, did you take the LSAT? No, I was okay. too drunk by then. <laughs> Wait, so you started drinking? So I started 14. drinking. I was a uh, I was on a ski trip. Oh man, in New Hampshire. Oh man, with my with my neighbor from down the street doing schnapps? in Connecticut. And he was, well, you know, we were, this was actually before 14, I realized. Okay. This is probably like maybe like in seventh grade, maybe 13. We stayed at this inn in Franconia Notch, New Hampshire. I mean, super white shit. Oh, it you sounds know. white as shit. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and uh, <laughs> he, he was Swiss. The oh, guy wow. I was hanging out with. Cause Deep he, white. He, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. They had like, uh, you had to take you had to take off your shoes before you went in their house and shit. Like I mean, not because well, anyway, that doesn't matter. Right. But uh, <laughs> just the opposite of our house, where yeah. it's like so their house was always like their house was always super clean super and Swiss. Um, yeah, they they kept their cars like immaculate. They uh, like the same car for like thirty those years. People are crazy who do that kind of shit, man. That's, yeah, that's they a are. Sign of oh yeah, weird they're nuts. Disease. His dad was nuts. That's like oh, why, why did he kill himself? Oh. Cause he, <laughs> his dad was an anal maniac. He couldn't yeah. clean anymore. Like he would lose his mind if you got dirt on his like uh, on the floor mats of his oh, car. God. Like he'd be like, God damn it! What the f- is there order in this world or not? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> totally. Like goddamn Jew floor mat shit. <laughs> what? Uh, so. <laughs> just right. kidding. I didn't say Jew. So uh, that was comedy. Yeah. Um, well, they get it. So uh, do you guys get it? It's terrible. They get I, it. Uh, I so I trip. just so the, uh, the some Tony. kid that was in the in the we were in this annex for that was cheaper. They put the kids in this annex behind. It was like this old it had a ping pong table, little right. rec room. 
and in the rec room there were some kids there and they and they were older maybe they were in ninth grade or something and they had some weed and they had some beer and i had a, yeah. i had like some i had a beer and i fell down I thought I was pretending to fall down right. while I was doing it. I was like, I'm pretending. But then the next day I had a hangover. Oh, wow. And um, and then I, Just I don't know. I remember that older guy thought it was, I was hilarious. He's uh -huh. like, you're hilarious when you drink. And that was like it. You know, I was like, because yeah. I was so, and he was, he had a braided belt or something. You know, he looked <laughs> cool. He had like long curly hair. Yeah. And it was like people wanted to, he wanted to have long. It was very cool if you. If you had like sort of a James Taylor look kind of going, like oh when James Taylor, when James Taylor had a full head of hair, right. like that was what preppy people kind of want to look like. Like yeah. in high school, then they had to cut it all off as soon as they turned twenty-two, right. And go to Wall Street. But for like in high school, it was like you wanted long hair and like a braided belt and stuff. And and Tucker Carlson had long hair. In, I bet he in did in college. Yeah, you can kind of still see it now. His hair's kind of got that that longish look. Have you ever read the email that Tucker Carlson's brother sent him about no. the woman? Is this public thing? Oh, yeah. It's so really? fucking funny. We should read it. It's deranged. Tucker Carlson's brother. Is it easy to find? Oh, yeah. Put in Tucker Carlson brother. Okay. Uh, like, um, um, <laughs> um, uh, labia. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's, my God. Make that search. Uh, there was a letter. staffer from Bill de Blasio's, um, office the mayor of uh, new right. york yeah and uh tucker carlson's brother got mad at her because and he accidentally forwarded he sent a reply to tucker saying like this bitch wanted is is a bitch or whatever and uh he accidentally sent the copy to the woman oh shit by mistake and uh what he wrote was so beyond so juvenile and right. so sexist and so violent and so, and Tucker Carlson had to say, "Yeah, sorry about that," but my brother's just like joking around. Right. But it it was uh, such an insight into how stunted those people are. Right. And how um how how much they hate women uh, as part of um their juvenile. They just they're juveniles. They because they their their so, point of view does not grow because they do not they do not associate with people with different points of view. Yeah. So there are so there there are things they they have the same. Uh, they respond to the same kind of peer pressure that they did when they were 15. Yeah. So like, because if you were a normal person, you'd get this email, even if it was from your own brother, you'd be like, holy shit, man, what's uh -huh. the matter with you? You need to get counseling. This is the craziest thing. But he was probably like, yeah, man. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. And I have a feeling Tucker Carlson, when it went public, was embarrassed because I think Tucker Carlson probably is a, a, maybe a tad more sensitive than his yeah. brother. Yeah. But he still had to defend him and be like, he's joking. Everyone right. can just get their, and they probably, he probably said something like, get your panties out of a wad because that's yeah. really popular. <laughs> don't get your panties in a wad. Don't get your panties in a bunch. Yeah, which is really sexist and also right. I don't really even understand that really. I've never understood that thing. Yeah, I guess it has to do with your panties uh, bunching up in your ass and right, being but, uncomfortable. Right, so but Because like right, you're uncomfortable, so you act like a dick or you act like a, a bitch. I guess so, a bitch. but I mean, the kind of expressions that his brother used, his brother yeah. might have invented the expression panties in a wad, because he's the kind here. of guy who says- He says like, great response, whiny little self-righteous bitch, appalling, and with such an ironic name too, Sp I don't, this is sort of context, ironic because you know she has an extreme dick fright, no chance this girl ever had a pearl necklace, smooge neck, I don't think so, more like labia face, Jesus Christ. <laughs> What so, a dick. So, yeah, it's like beyond... I've never heard the expression. I, I'm like a pretty dirty 
person. Right? Like, I'm fine with any kind of shit. I've never heard dick fright in my life. I've never heard... That sounds like a frat boy thing, I've man. Ne- it definitely is. definitely frat boy shit. Dick fright is... Yeah, she's scared of dicks, man. She's dicks, dick fright. Yeah, instead of like... Just she doesn't want to fuck you, dick fright. Like instead of you want, yeah. she doesn't want to. No, she just doesn't want to fuck you. Ah, she's a dyke. She's got dick fright. <laughs> no, that means like, yeah. no, being frightened or not frightened is not supposed to be part of the sexual equation. Yeah, that's rape. Yep. Like if you're frightened, like if you're putting a woman in a position where she's afraid of your dick, then you are a rapist. She just got dick fright, man. Don't worry about it. Yeah, dick <laughs> she has dick, and it, and her name isn't even like her name's like. Spittle ton or something that doesn't yeah. mean tit fuck. No. And he says like, and he says like as a put down, you know she's never had spooge on her neck. <laughs> she's only had labia on her face. Like you a, know, yeah. Like I don't know. It seems to me like, the, I, <laughs> like I don't know if you should be put in jail for sending an email like that. But something like I think Tucker Carlson should have been forced to shut down his whole operation based on this. Knowing anybody. Yeah, but says, it doesn't matter. No one cares. No one cares enough. That's the problem. No one gives a shit. Because there's just enough of those guys, enough of their buddies who are still part of the same thing. Where it's just, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't really move. Right? They're children. Yeah, they're well, they're 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 mo- children with money, and you can't you can't tell anyone with money that they aren't right uh, because. They're like, why Why do I have this money then? <laughs> I mean, they're just like, how can I be yeah. wrong? If I'm wrong, why do I have all this money? And that's supposed to be the end of the discussion. Right. And it is, because you'll be like, what does that have to do with anything? They'll be like, fuck you. You don't fuck off, labia face. <laughs> well, so that was... You've never had any spooge on your neck, you dick fright motherfucker. Do you still keep in touch with t- Tucker at all? What if, you, what if you called up Tucker and got a hold of him somehow? I, I never knew him well enough that uh, right. okay. I would just say, uh, you know, something that any person off the street should say to him, which is like, fuck you. You saw that John Stewart thing years ago, right? Where yeah, that was great. It's pretty great. Yeah. I feel like he got pretty cowed. Is I say cowed? Yes. Yeah. He got, it had a little effect on him at that point for at least for a little bit. I think he started, like he got a haircut or something after that. Well, they canceled the show. They canceled the show. That's true. Yeah. yeah that was, that was, was, it was him and who else? I can't remember who it was. I don't know, but those kind of people yeah. are um they're outmoded. But they're un but they're unflappable because they they have the money. Because the they're the ones that are um uh immoral. And and the immoral the immoral people if you're able to set aside morals in fact, let me rephrase that. You have to be able to set aside morals if you want to succeed in business. These At this time, I mean, I think that was always true to some extent, but I yeah. think at this point it's been thoroughly, morals have been thoroughly scrubbed from the business. Uh, what they do is they've made it so that, like the whole, the whole, they construct the laws governing financial trade so those things aren't even an impediment anymore. They make it so... It's just, oh, I'm, I'm playing by the rules, but the rules are, you're allowed to do this such and such thing that's terrible, but it's okay because it's by the rules. So Because the rules have been written by the very people who are wanting to break them. So, like, excuse me, we would like to be able to go through this mountain here where there's no tunnel. I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Yeah, sure. Basically, like, because the financial lobby is the most influential lobby in all of uh, Congress and all of uh, the legislative branch, the most... Uh, the financial lobby has the most influence. Yeah. And so what they do is they just lobby all this shit to be how they want it to be so they can make the most money, which is why that whole glass... I mean, this, 
the Glass-Steagall Act got repealed for that reason. So now, uh, you know about that whole, the Glass-Steagall oh, Act? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, that's, I, it's, that's so, it's so interesting to me because basically people complain about all these minute political problems when really you won't change anything at all because the people can still make money the same way they, they have been with, with no oversight whatsoever. So it doesn't matter who you vote for. You can vote for anybody. As long as Glass-Steagall's not in effect, doesn't fucking matter because the money is flowing in the same direction as it always has. So you can vote for fucking yeah, that's, anybody. That's why matter. everybody's... All the oh, that's why the fucking Republicans get so up in arms about uh, Planned Parenthood because it's basically not an issue. It didn't even happen. All yeah. that shit didn't even fucking happen. Well, that keeps you keeps, <laughs> yeah. you, keeps, keeps the, you busy. Yeah, <laughs> really, it's not an issue. You're no. not gonna fucking take that shit away. You can't take it away. It's a fucking co- no. It's as much as I care. Right. As much as I think it's great that gay yeah. marriage passed. It's still. It's like everybody's like, oh, Obama's great. It's like, well, that's just. But he's just as, he's as much in the financial lobby's pocket as any president. That's today. what I mean. It's like, uh, yeah. and they so the conservatives or the. What's like the, the fun? The fisc. The it's like there should be a new name because Clinton and uh, Clinton was the one to repeal Glass Steagall, but Clinton and Bush continues on with the same sort of thing. So th- those guys are basically doing the same thing in terms of the financial lobby. They're doing the exact same thing, even even though they're so different in terms of uh, one being Republican and one being uh, Democrat, like socially. But they're still well. The, the social issues are used as 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 distractions. Yeah. Um, the social issues. If everyone was making a decent living, or mm-hmm. if there was a healthy middle class, those things people are- wouldn't give a shit as much about social issues. They care about social issues because they don't feel like they have a say in anything else. Right. And they don't, they're not happy. If they were happy, they wouldn't be so, they want to, they want to be mad about something because right. they want to feel something. They want to feel either like, what they'd really like is they'd like to be able to affect change so that they could have a, a, a middle class living like right. people used to but since they don't feel like they feel powerless right everyone wants to feel like they're doing something to make the world better right and I actually think conservatives in their misguided way the, the people on the street conservatives not the ones in in the congress or yeah. like rich <laughs> rich conservatives because they're just manipulating the masses for their own tax breaks <laughs> but, but but you know the the the, the conservatives on the street are people who really think like we were trying to get back to when people had a job like we want the middle class back and 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 maybe it was immigrants who ruined it i don't know who ruined it but somebody we need to fix it and so i actually feel really sorry for people who are part of the tea party and because they're trying to do something they just don't know they've been put in a position where their voice doesn't make a difference they don't feel like their vote makes a difference they feel like and they uh what the, what would restore that feeling of having some connection to the world, like being part of this economy instead of feeling uh, on the outside in their own country because they can't make a living, um, and and the rich people doing this great job of blaming them, so they think right. it's their fault. Like I'm, I just must be doing something wrong because this person has a billion dollars and anybody can get it. American dream, <laughs> even though it's been proven that the American dream is it's harder to raise, it's harder to skip, it's harder. To, harder how do you say hard. it? Well, the, everything, the buying power is not there. All the, all the, all the different indicators and markers of uh, economic security have changed because, 
Well, it's, it's there's a concentration so of wealth. There's, 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 there's like you. There's the chances of being upwardly, upwardly mobile in America mm-hmm. are less than other countries now, right? Uh, by a lot. And so these people are being sold this idea that uh, it's my own fault that I'm not a billionaire. Everybody can be a billionaire. I work yeah. at this. I work at this wine bar sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I hate to <laughs> blow, burst the bubble, the bubble that I'm already really rich, a uh, uh, rich comedian. Right. But uh, I really do on, on stage. I don't talk about my job just because it's too much of a bummer. Like, I didn't want to hear about Steve Martin's job. If he was in a white suit and he was like, well, not during the day when I'm a waiter, he'd be like ruined, you know, yeah. sort of everything. Um, uh, I don't know where you were supposed to think Steve Martin spent his spare time, but I, I like to know. think he just, you know, probably... Street corner. Yeah, something. Yeah. So wearing that white suit, just like wherever, but not at work. So I... But I do occasionally pour wine at a wine bar. <laughs> and uh, and uh, this guy came in there. He looked like World War II in a pair of pants. Like, maybe... Maybe the Korean War in a pair of pants, because I guess people from World War II are all deceased. But so he was probably was super, in his 80s. He was old. He was wearing a hat that was like... Like a ba- battleship. Said some name of a ship on Je- it. Jefferson. Jefferson he, Battleship. USS, USS Kennedy. Yes, but <laughs> this was an active human being. This was right. not like an 85-year-old who was on his way out. This is a guy that was... He's going to kick a my bar. ass. Like, he was huge. Okay. And he was ruddy. His complexion was ruddy. And he was like... <laughs> gonna fucking pull that voting lever off the machine i mean that guy yeah. was not out of the picture you know these people yeah. are not giving up these old old people who have these crazy ideas about how to return america to before back to jim crow time <laughs> so so that he says i'm not kidding either a, and i have done this in stand-up one time because I, I had to bring up having a job i had to bring up having a job because this was too good not right. to share yeah. this dude comes into the wine bar and he's like the wine bar where I work is owned by a guy who, he started the wine, the vineyard, after he was already a billionaire. Okay. He just bought a, he's, he kind of does it for fun. That's usually the case in so, most billionaire activities. So my, so, the, so the, the old guy goes, man, he goes, he goes, he goes, well, the way this country's going, I mean, just right, he just starts. <laughs> That's always a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, he's, he t- I don't know the, the, uh, what the segue was, but he said, well, you know, I hate, to, you know I hate to say it, but, you know, if people just get off their cans, and uh, he said cans like a bunch. <laughs> he said, if people just get off their cans yeah, and, can. and uh, you know, get a job, this country would be back. Like, for example, this guy, I mean, he. He got up, pulled pulled on his boots, and started a winery. <laughs> he wasn't fucking kidding. This oh guy God. dead seriously talked to me for 10 minutes about how pretty much poor people are collecting welfare because they're too lazy to start wineries. <laughs> the winery, probably the most expensive endeavor he, he can honestly, possibly engage in. He honestly thinks that... that <laughs> And and he kept saying poor people, but I know he meant black people. Right. He kept he honestly thinks black people are just so lazy that they're sitting around being like, "Do you want to start a winery today?" Yeah. Nah, fuck it. Let's just collect welfare. <laughs> that should be a, make a welfare winery. That should be a thing. That wouldn't be a great thing. Like have like a guy who teaches a class, like a community education class for free to people who aren't welfare, like how to start a winery. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, first, you need a capital. First, commit suicide because yeah. it's not going to happen. Oh, but if you can't do that, you need a capital investment of at least five million dollars to purchase the acreage. Yeah, I mean, and if, you, if you can, you might be able to lease some lease some uh, vineyards from someone else and then do a blended wine, which you're going to be able to sell for less because it's not going to be as good. <laughs> but you know, if you can sit tight for about ten years as this stuff ages and matures and break into this market sideways from. Yeah. Oh, so God. I didn't even bother telling him the story of. 
the guy who started the winery. Because I didn't... This that's that's the thing. He his point of view is so irrational and so childish. And it's also been set that the cart track is pretty deep. Yeah, There's and ruts. he's wealthy. He obviously yeah. he told me about his other house he had somewhere. And, yeah, and you know, so you it's another one of these things where people who are wealthy think they have to be they have to have been right. They don't think about how how they got there in terms of favors they were given mm-hmm. by other wealthy people or by the luck of being connected to. I mean, being connected is the main thing you need. You yeah. need, like, the times I've gotten in situations where I was, like, moving to New York and I was an alcoholic and I couldn't get my shit together to get an apartment and I didn't have my, I'd already trashed my credit rating because I fucking got a credit card the first day of college and, like, just rang up, like, a million, like, barber chair shots on it. Like, there was some time where people were, <laughs> they just, like, invented them where you lay back barber. in a barber chair and people pour liquor in your oh, mouth. that's just still going on, like, Rhode Island and, like, in the New Orleans. But they just that. measure them anyway. They yeah. don't, like, they don't pour them like crazy. You know, like, no. everyone's like, ah, like, I remember this, I remember this girl, like, it was like, get me a barber chair shot. And I had an American Express card for like two Jeez. months in like 1987. Yeah. Until, because that's even worse as a charge card. Yeah. It's not even like, they make you pay every month. So I got I got that taken away like right away. Right. The visa I kept for like a year. Um, and then, anyway, by the time, but anyway, she was sat in the barber chair and the guy just like poured her like a normal measured shot. Right. And so she didn't even get to whoop very long because she was like, whoo, you know, and he was like, eh. <laughs> Just poured like a, yeah, and she was like, "Why keep it?" And he's like, looked at me because I was on the credit oh card, and he's like, God. "It'll be another seven dollars." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. You know, it's free money, right?" <laughs> so that's how credit cards work, right? Yeah. It's just free money. That's what well, I love my, about it. My friend Dave, when college, he bought a drum set on a credit card. He was like, <laughs> "Like Dave, how'd you justify this? You're just a TA." And he's like, "Well, I thought the the future me would want the me now to have a drum set." <laughs> And he's right, though. No, it's he's funny, right. Though. No, it's funny. It's like, yeah, you might as well get that fucking drum set, man. Enjoy it while you're, before you die. Yeah. Like, debt isn't real. So, yeah, so yeah. I, so I, uh, uh, had no credit rating and, uh, like, had to move into New York, right? Right. But some other fucking white people I know who had good credit ratings said, uh, and they don't have to have been white. In this case, they were white, but, yeah. but I'm just making the point. They were like, "Come live with us. We we got an apartment, yeah. so you just can get out. You don't have to get you don't have to get a lease. You can just move in with us." Right. And that started off like, "Oh, and then I met so and so, their friend who went to such and like went to Juilliard, and now she directs plays. And then I'm in a play, right? Because uh, because she thought she saw me do stand up, and which I did in the '90s. I did I right. did I did started out doing stand up in the '90s in okay. New York by myself, wow. like with no idea what I was doing, just drunk and wandering around to places I found in the back of the Village Voice in the paper. There was no internet. Did you ever meet Brick Shapiro out there? I did, and yeah. I saw him. Um, well, I didn't meet him till I was playing guitar, okay. and I was playing at this place called the Sidewalk Cafe. Oh, yeah. Rick Shapiro did. I know about it. Yeah, Rick Shapiro did. Uh, I used to play a lot at, at Sidewalk Cafe, so I saw Rick Shapiro there, yeah, and now I know Rick there. Shapiro now. Right. Um, but I, at the time, he was an influence on me, along with like all the regular influences, like especially Steve Martin, right. Richard Pryor, and uh, um, oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Bill Hicks, um, but uh, mostly Monty Python and St- Steve Martin, pro- yeah. probably. But uh, but yeah, Rick Shapiro was inspiring because I saw him basically 
do a lot of improv. Yeah, and I saw him. He always was too long, though. Even then, really, he didn't know how to get off the stage ever. No, I left. I remember leaving. Like it was was like two hours, and he was still being like, "No, I want to close with strong, close strong." It was like the everybody was like, "Shh." I mean, because he was so good for the first hour. He used to do like four hour shows. Yeah, five hour shows. (laughs) Yeah, I had him. Yeah, I've known Rick for a little while now. You have? Yeah, he's a cool guy. I mean, he's great. He's yeah. He's a unique, very unique guy. I came out here in 2007 from Nashville because I performed with Greg and uh, Greg Turkington, right. Neil Hamburger mm-hmm. in in Nashville. Because mm-hmm. this club owner in Nashville told Greg Turkington he had to watch me because I was good. What which, club was it? The End. Okay. Which is just like a rock. Really? Bar. I think I've heard I've heard of that place. It's supposed to be really great. It's yeah. across from the exit in. We d- I did a show at the High Watt. Sure, that's that like the high water is is newer, and yeah. that's where a lot of stand ups happening now. Yeah. There's a there's a like when I was doing stand up in Nashville, there really wasn't any kind of local stand up scene. It, there was a very small right. one, and 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 uh, I didn't really deal with it because I was already people knew me from the band, so I just started doing my shows in the clubs that I played with the band right. and the same people come see the, the we would get a hundred people out to see the band all the time so they would come and see me do stand up so I was okay, able to so avoid you had like, the you had like a, uh, a network of people who would already go who go see stuff I had yeah I had fans and and and, and uh, uh, that was uh, how I I ended up not really associating with many comedians in Nashville which I've kind of like I don't know if I reached out to them or like I kind of like got a little more involved now that they yeah. have a have a thing going but there was i was uh sort of separate from that and i also was drunk and i I was also i think a lot of people thought i was a a dick because my stage persona was mostly stolen from david yow from the jesus lizard right and that he's pretty aggressive guy but he's so nice off stage and that's the way i was but most people didn't hang out with me off stage so they were just like that guy's a dick i remember worked at a i worked at a restaurant and this guy said I had a radio show on the Vanderbilt station called Best of Bread, too, okay. that got super popular. Best of Bread? That like was ref- like yeah. referencing the bands? Best yeah. I love funny. bread. Really? Yeah, I love soft rock. I used to have a, a quadraphonic copy of the Best of Bread. Hell yeah. Did I you ever it. put that thing through a... I think I sold it, through, I sold it on eBay. Yeah, it's got quad. It's got that weird... I've never listened to quad you got to play sound. it on a quad system. Yeah, Nobody has no one a, has a quad yeah, system. No, no. It's like half-speed mastered. Yeah. I was like, it's like... I, I, I had... Uh, half-speed mastered is pretty great, though. I like that. I've said, if it's not half-speed... If it's not half-speed <laughs> mastered, get it out of my face. Uh, but uh, Best of Bread was a popular show, and... and Really popular. That's such a funny name, though, because it's like you're obviously not just playing the best of bread. No, that would be great. Almost. You, you literally just played the best of bread. It was me and my brother, and we just talked. We played a lot of soft play rock. Some, play some America in there. I would play deep cuts by like all the soft rock bands, like this, like this, like on the records, like not like the greatest hits. You buy right. like an actual record. Ozark the, Mountain, Ozark Mountain, it, Mountain Daredevils. Play the yeah, record? sure. And yeah. you play a deep cut that no one's ever heard of. Right. And then I would say before I played it, I'd be like, "Listen," and this is through a ten thousand watt receiver. So we were reached like farms and stuff oh yeah like we, we got farmers calling up being like what is this like usually in a great way like being what kind That's of program cool, is this yo it was great yeah and the, the vanderbilt sold the station to npr there's a huge protest it's total bullshit and it's totally because vanderbilt is a very conservative university Super doesn't conservative. give a shit about it. And they were annoyed by they had a guy come in and who would shut down stations and other other Markets. at other universities he said to me, it was like dealing with Dick Cheney about, <laughs> about college radio. Right. Because they, they fired us. 
but and I went in to meet with him, and I said, well, we didn't have any complaints or anything. Why are you firing us? And he said, and I explained also, we have a lot of fans. Can we have one more show to at least say goodbye? And he said, to my face, this is a college radio. This is a guy who works at a school, supposedly a school where you're supposed to be teaching people how to be. He's right. an adult. Yeah. It's like the same age as me. He's 40s or whatever. He goes, I don't care because I don't have to care. He said that right to my face. Uh, that sounds very Dick Cheney. It sounds like a, it's, it's like a Rumsfeld thing. But that's business. I don't Those care. are the guys that get promoted. Oh, this guy's yeah. great. He's a total psychopath. Let's make him the CEO. Yeah, that's he doesn't the, give a shit. College radio is something where it's the mo- it's the it couldn't be cheaper. It couldn't be a cheaper activity to maintain that gets like like the the ratio from of cost to joy is a it's a pretty high ratio. It's pretty fucking cheap to maintain a goddamn radio station, yeah. and how people love it. People fuck like I. I was a DJ at uh, WVFS Tallahassee, Florida State, for four and a half years, and it's the first thing I got into. The first week I went there, I went to the uh, orientation at the when I was a freshman, and I'm from Minnesota. I went down to Florida. I didn't know a fucking soul down there. Uh huh. Why'd you choose Florida for school? Got accepted. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why I ended up at Trinity. Got accepted. Got the fuck out of the snow. Mm-hmm. But I remember going to this orientation there the first week, and they had like a that. I was super into music, you know. I played in bands. You, and stuff I've already, in, I, in case anybody doesn't know, they I know. met Johnny from uh, doing uh, Josh Fadum's stand-up show called the New Stand-Up Show, which happens now Tuesdays right. at the Copper Still Bar here in, in Los Angeles. I almost said Nashville. And um, uh, anyway, the 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 uh, music knowledge that. Uh, uh, Johnny's in a character. Well, I don't want to reveal. Hey, I'm not going to reveal. Too, I'm not going to reveal too much. But anyway, Johnny knows a lot about music, and I could tell People that. Know. Well, I, I usually talk about music on this podcast a lot. So yeah, that's you're. That's I like already thing. know. I've seen what you post like uh, on uh, Twitter too. Like, like very, very varied taste too. Yeah, I kind of got into the reggae. Me thing. too. Right. I believe it. I think most people who are into music tend to have. If you're actually into music, you tend to have varied taste because you just can't. There's only so long you can listen to one thing because you exhaust it. You just drill. You suck the life out of it. You know what I mean? Well, music was what sucked me out of, speaking of sucking things out of things, right. sucked me out of Connecticut ultimately was because I, I got so crazy about Prince. Uh, really? Yeah. That That's I, funny. That I, I, I realized I care more about this. I care more about Prince than anybody in this town. Like, I mean, there's nobody who can even right. come close. Like, I'm hysterical. Like, I was like, my God, you know, because oh, I never, when I heard One Doves Cry, I was listening strictly to the radio at that point. Right. So when I heard One Doves Cry, that was just the best thing I'd ever heard in my life, That's you know? crazy. And so I just went crazy. I bought all his records. I bought 1999, which, so I was listening to weird, like, yeah. dance music, sex, romance, and lady cab driver and stuff. And I was like, I had never, I was going straight from James Taylor to that that's a big shift yeah and I was digging it but nobody else understood like I was great you know so I realized you there's feel alone. kind feel of something wrong with me in a good I mean I don't know if it was a good way but I was right. like yeah so so you went to Tallahassee and you was oh yeah it? well I just got really in the radio station right away I remember uh, meeting the music director and he gave me a t-shirt for the radio station and I went to their what they call it, the cattle call where they go to you can like I'd sign up to work there, and I remember thinking, "Oh, I want to be a DJ." Not thinking anything of it, like I just because I would be, I was kind of DJing house records and stuff in Minnesota at that time, and I remember uh, I applied to be a DJ, and they they hired me. I don't know why, and I found out later, like, oh, they fucking never hire people the first year; it's unheard of, and I didn't even know that. I just was like, "Oh man, that's cool!" Wow, yeah. And so I was a DJ there 
for like four years and just thought it was like the greatest. All my friends, like almost all my friends I met through college who I'm still friends with were through there. And like everything good that came out of college for me, everything I actually even learned came from that radio station and not from all this fucking expensive, stupid shit classes and stuff. It came from have fucking around having a two to six, two a.m. to six a.m. in the morning weekly shift where I had to play. Like I feel like from the from the years two thousand, from the years two thousand, from ninety nine, two thousand four. There's almost nothing about indie rock I don't know, <laughs> and, and yeah. not because I really liked it that much, just because it's around it. So I can't like fucking yeah. That was me from that was me from like nineteen eighty nine to ninety. Five Because the same Because of the radio station No just because yeah. also That was No I didn't do the radio station oh, right. I didn't do the radio station uh, Until kind of recent Until yeah Like I was It was 2005 So like I was I was uh, 11 years ago Whatever that was 35 years old or something Um, But yeah So I ran into this guy In terms of like The, the difference between My persona and reality Like on stage Like throwing beer cans around And and singing Gow songs thing. called Pussy on Hold and stuff. <laughs> um, I, uh, which I just thought matched, matched the music. I like, I love yeah. Bon Scott. I love, you know, dirty lyrics and, and sexist lyrics, not because I'm sexist, but because snarling guitar riffs don't, aren't like really that suited to yeah. like PC messages. It's a weird Or thing. feelings, like real feelings. Set right. to, I, I can't sing about my real feelings over like, you know, but I love s- s- uh, snarling guitar riffs. So I sang about, you know, just typical swaggering macho right. baloney. Um, but my last girlfriend made it uh, made it like obvious that that was a problem <laughs> to some extent because she just would throw all my song titles at me in arguments. Oh, really? Yeah. She'd be like, How okay, Mr. Pussy on Hold. <laughs> that was only a couple of years ago. That record only came out a couple, couple of years ago. And uh, it was the last record I did drunk. It's right. not like I wouldn't be dirty now. It doesn't matter. My, I talk about pussy juice constantly and stand <laughs> up and... Uh, and uh, you know it's okay. I, right. She also was just whatever. She had some good points though. So well, she she was like at least when I was like I don't know why everybody thinks I'm such a jerk. And she was like, well, you kind of present yourself as one. Right. So the guy at the restaurant. This is the reason I even t- told this dumb story. I'm going to finish it. God damn it. The the guy at the restaurant said, I said, oh, I'm a I'm a an alcohol stunt band and uh, the, the the radio station i have best of bread mm-hmm. and he, he he liked best of bread but anyway he just said to my face he said oh that alcohol stunt band guy he's i hate that guy <laughs> but i liked him we were friends yeah and he said and i said that's me and he said really? oh he said oh i'm sorry he's like oh boy he but did- that was that that was like for me it was kind of like, like a, a moment of what am I doing when I drink? Like, what? Who is that guy? And how much of it is something I really want? How long ago was that? That was that was probably two thousand eight. I stopped drinking in two thousand eleven. When did you have the episode with the soup? You talk about that's so funny to me. That was when I was engaged to. I I asked a girl to marry me that I did like very much, but right. I still was not. I asked her to marry me in a while I was blacked out drunk okay. on, on my knee in a in a bar and she got she she accepted and and uh i think she was just hoping for the best like i kept kind of telling her i was going to get my life together and, right um but i i uh 
one night she had made she was very like normal you guys lived together yeah we started living together we were long distance from uh, uh seattle she was living in seattle i had met her at a film festival where i, I went to get joe to get a big award is, so i what was the award for Best actor for a short film I was in in 2001 oh, cool. called Thanksgiving. Can people see that if I post it? Yeah, it's okay. called Thanksgiving. Got and uh, the guy who made that movie has now got a great movie called Two Step, which is, is doing, okay. I mean, fantastic. Who's that? Who's that guy? His name's Alex Johnson. Got it. And he's doing meetings with, I mean, he re- this movie, re- he got reviewed by A.O. Scott in the Times. He got a, wow. a total love letter. And uh, I mean, really, he, got, he compared it to, uh, uh, what's, uh, um, what's the guy who was married to the... Dorothy Stratton. Um, oh, uh, you know. This is a fatum question. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, Bogdanovich. Uh, oh, Peter uh, Bogdanovich. Last Picture Show. They compared it to Last oh, Picture wow. Show. That's a big deal. Um, so, so I met yeah. her out in Los... I met... It was just perfect because I was... You met in Seattle. I was just... I was. I had had a crush on her and we'd met in New York and then we'd been like three years and I met her out there for the film festival and I stayed with her. I think we both knew like we were kind of gonna hook up and yeah and um and then we stayed in touch when i went back to nashville and then and then she, then we drove across country i almost drowned in lake tahoe <laughs> and then uh how that happen? i was hung over and i went swimming too oh far my out god and um then um i <laughs> uh went back to nashville that should have been like an omen we should have really you have, right you then have like a lot of drinking omens haven't you holy shit i mean we could do a whole <laughs> oh I'm. I have a podcast too. After the after the best of bread went off the right. air, we started doing a, after well, after WRVU Vanderbilt State right. went off the air. We started doing this podcast called the Chris Crofton Show, and I just have to learn how to. We we had we tried to restart it out here in Los Angeles, but yeah. I was doing it in, in at Nashville. So you can c- check it out at uh, the Chris Crofton Show dot com, and it's called the Chris Crofton Show. We have one hundred and sixty something episodes oh, of cool. it. I'm doing a split uh, cassette with Daniel Pujol. Uh, for Burger Records, where he cut up my podcast oh, in nice. between his songs, and that's coming out in October. In October for Cassette Day, wow! Like Record Store Day. Now they have or like well, cassette records are cassette day, man. store. That's as hip as it gets, right? Sure, but I I don't know who has a tape deck, but uh, kids, skaters. I guess so. Yeah. So yeah, I was driving. So we drove. So I almost drowned in Lake Tahoe, like for real. Right. And I made it to fucking shore. And I and I and we still could have carried on on our trip. But right. I was like, that was rough. <laughs> it was still gonna be fun to be married to me. I bet. Right. Uh, and uh, well, we hadn't done the marriage thing. But anyway, we in Nashville, we moved in together. I was going out every night. She would get up at six o'clock in the morning to and walk what? a fucking dog. Oh, we didn't have a dog yet. She just got up at six. She didn't drink barely at all. She drank like a little bit. And you would drink fourteen beers a day. Yes, right? and she would drink. I would drink fourteen to eighteen beers a day. <laughs> when, and or like you know, or like eleven beers and like six shots. When or did something. you start drinking in the day typically? Oh no, not till nighttime. Okay. I always kept it like okay, kept kept it legit. Uh, yeah, I went to <laughs> rehab a couple times. It didn't take shit, man. I went to the hospital. It was the last time. The reason I quit is I went to the hospital because okay. like, I couldn't. Well, tell my us, eyes tell didn't work story. anymore. Tell my eyes soup. stopped working, and I was still willing to keep drinking. I was going to be like, well, it's just what happens. Jesus, like, I'll Christ, just deal with that. Man. It's only in the morning that they, they they don't work. They come back in like three hours after I wake up. Fuck. So, <laughs> if the drinking, you're just like, so what? I mean, you can cut your leg off and be like, I don't need a leg. I mean, it's like, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't have a problem. I don't I need don't, a leg. I've never. Uh, I think the most I've all these ever. Con- all these I, conformists. I don't drink that much. Yeah. All these conformists with two legs. That's what you say to yourself. Really? Yeah, because you thought you were. I thought I was Jim Morrison. Yeah. I'm a poet. Of course, I have one leg. That's fine. I'm a genius. 
So you just justify it. In that yeah, sense, normal yeah. people have regular, normal basic people with their regular lives and their two legs. Yeah. It's nuts. So anyway, go ahead. You've never had a drinking problem? No, I mean, I've, I've, I, can you say like... Sorry, I've drank about three quarters of this fucking okay. thing now. I, I had just a huge coffee. I don't really... Uh, I, I can't... Like, I, cannot, I, I can't have empathy for it. I have... Because I don't really understand what it's like to be... I've never been super so drunk. Like, I've, I've barely ever blacked out. I just don't black out. It's good. It's just... I don't know why. I either get sick or I fall asleep. I don't black out. It's good often. because I don't... If the problem with me was when I started drinking that day in New Hampshire, right? I didn't realize what was happening. I didn't know I loved it. I didn't know anything about yeah. it. I didn't know that I was built to do it because of generations of alcoholics right. in, my, in my family. So when I started doing it, the the handsome guys, because I had red hair, you know, and I felt really, and you know, and I had an above ground pool, <laughs> and and like I was like the people with long hair and the braided belt started saying, "This guy's cool. Let's have him to the parties because he's fun to watch when he gets drunk, right? And he can also really drink a lot, right? And though, you're so dumb at that age that they're actually thinking that's cool. They were really like, "Man, Chris is pretty cool. He can really fucking hold his liquor, <laughs> you know." Too bad that means if you can drink ten beers when you're sixteen, it means you're you've got a problem, or yeah. if you. But I was like, this is it. I found my... You found your calling. Because I, I, I liked it. It didn't seem to affect me that badly. I could yeah. shake off the hangovers because I was, you know, young. And uh, I still was good with the hangovers because I was an alcoholic. Yeah. So, I, uh, by the time I, uh, you know, I got back to Nashville with her, I, I, I kind of tried to be a normal person, but I was an alcoholic and I, and I didn't know it and I just thought I was restless like at night i couldn't sleep you know but i really wanted to go to the bar so she would go to sleep and i would kiss her good night and i would go to the bar wow. for four hours or whatever yeah and then the next day she'd wake up at six and, wa- and walk the dog or we didn't have a dog then but i said that but whenever we did get a dog but she got a dog because she was lonely she got a dog because th- th- i wasn't present so right. i was wake i'd wake up at one you know yeah if i was lucky and she'd she'd already been up for seven hours you Jeez. know it wasn't much of a life you know it's yeah. like we weren't and then at night she would come home or be tired and from work and then she would just go to bed and I would be ready for action and go out all night and talk about my band. Plus, I wanted to go out and be recognized too. My band was doing well. I yeah. couldn't stay in. I wanted to go out and have people say, I like your band. I'd be like, yeah, I know. Thanks a lot. Oh, wow. I mean, that was... Yeah. I, I was addicted to a bunch of different things that were all like based on the fact that I had been like the kid with the above ground pool, basically. <laughs> I mean, really, it was like, yeah. I had been bullied. I'd, be, I'd been told a lot of lousy shit when I was a kid by rich kids. Like, they were just like... So it just sticks with you and it transforms your uh, life into something that you don't really want it to be. I wanted to be cool. Yeah. You know, like, real cool. Mm-hmm. And 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 um, I thought I was doing okay, and then I, all of a sudden, a bunch of people, like, when I was in seventh grade, when people got went through puberty, people started calling me faggot and stuff like that, you know, just for no reason other yeah. than I didn't know why. But I was like, I got to fix this. And you did. Yeah, but it, it involved a lot of, uh, it beca- involved me becoming someone I wasn't. Right. I mean, there were elements of me in there, and I think I made some decent art during that period. I really tried to, you I know, mean, I, I think I was true to myself in, in music and theater and stuff, right. but I mean... But there was I lost myself at some point anyway. But the, 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 she made she was a good cook and she made <laughs> soup all the time. Right. And she she made a soup. She made a lentil soup. Okay. Uh, and she had made it earlier in the night. You know, How probably much? hours before. And it was probably I would say like uh, probably like maybe two gallons of it. <laughs> and um, maybe that's not too, maybe that's too much. Like a gallon. I don't know. Like a humongous. Like, Enough for a what? very big like two handled 
pot of yeah, it. Yeah, okay. And I and I came home at I love it. Came home like I came home like hello, I'm home like like four o'clock in the morning. I came home right like I fucking staggered in like was staggered in knocking shit over and tiptoeing and stuff. And I found the soup and I uh, ate all of it. I ate all the soup, every bit of it. Not not I didn't leave any at all. And, and I don't know why it's so funny. And man. she. Well, it was really awful because she hadn't had any of it. She hadn't had a single bit of it. She'd made it, and it was supposed to be soup for like a week. It was supposed to be soup for her. Like she was going to come home from work. Every day. And have like a glass of wine and have some lentil soup. Uh But instead, Mr. Pigman came home and ate it all at once. Then got in bed, passed out, presumably because it was lentil soup, farted all fucking night. (laughs) And then I was just like... You know, oh. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Oh uh, it's like, like, but I'm going to, you know, like, I don't know. It was like, uh, even the sorries were kind of like, like, sorry, but I mean, like. <laughs> but I did it. What do you expect? Like, you know, it's like, you leave it out. Yeah. Like, you say some shit there, it's like the other person's fault. Like, like a, you like, leave it out, what do you expect? It's like a dog. What are you going to do? I didn't know. It didn't have a sign on it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm being ridiculous. No, I'm, I'm really sorry, but. So is that sort of a turning point in your relationship? No, because there was this other time I did another joke about that, which was, or I've told another story about her and me, which was, uh, um, I, one day I had a weird hangover and Mm -hmm. I made eggs when I woke up. Like I've never made eggs. I mean, I I know how to make eggs a little. Yeah, we all do. But I mean, not even very well. I kind of had to learn after I got, after I quit drinking to make eggs, but, uh, properly. So so anyway, I made eggs. I just I, I woke up. I just felt weird. Sometimes you have weird hangovers where you just feel energized because you're kind of right. still drunk. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh boy, like I'm. I feel pretty damn good. I think I'm gonna make breakfast. You know, I ate all her soup the other night, and I should make her some breakfast. Mm-hmm. And so I made fucking eggs, and and we both I think thought it was a turning point. Like we were both like, oh my god, I can see how overly excited she was that I made them. Oh, it was like so s- sad. Oh, oh that's sad. Yeah, because that's really sad. Yeah, she was like, oh my god, thank you so much. I mean, this wow. is so great. Oh my god, and I could tell it was like, and now it begins. Chris is going to be normal now. Mm-hmm. And but then as the months passed, um, we both realized it was just the day I made eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, never, day. I never made him ever again. Yeah, that was it. Wow. So, and then we did. We broke up, and we're still friends. And right. and uh, it it really is funny. And, and it was not funny uh, to anybody uh, at the time. I mean, I thought it was fine because I was just, I just was drinking and ego. Well, it's like a, tripping. You like you just I'm, don't see stuff. You don't realize stuff when you're drunk. And so I did love her, but I just also like. I think I was going into it hoping that she wanted to get married, I think. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like she just kind of wanted to. So I think she thought it was time. She was like 32 or something. And I wanted to see if she, basically she could, I would maybe settle down. Like I was worried about maybe she would settle me down and I would just start drinking just a little bit. And All I right. would be more normal. I'd go to the gym and I tried doing that. Yeah. And... uh yeah, I can't regret it now, but I mean, it was a lot of, uh, that period was, my 20s and third, my 20s were my hardest time. Lots of panic attacks and trips really? to the hospital and stuff. And Man, all of you I know who had like serious drinking problems, that seems to be sort of a theme. It shreds your nervous system. Yeah. You can't, 
and you're you're trying to do you're trying to do a normal life at the same time right. and it's just everything's um it leads to a lot of hyperventilating even it's always yeah <sighs> trying to even now if i have a really bad hangover that's like about the worst i can feel because i feel like i uh it makes you depressed and nervous and all these things like, this is a terrible i don't want to even like I had a hangover the other day for the first time in a long time because I went to all these. I decided I was going to go all these Emmy parties I got invited to just yeah. because like oh go and show show my face. Sure. But in order to to be able to talk to people with uh, with enthusiasm and interest and people who I don't want to talk to. Yeah. So I'm like you know, there's a couple people there I want to talk to. But yeah. Basically, sure. I don't want to talk to anyone there because they don't really they're not like my friends. Yeah. So I take some speed. And if you take speed, I take not a lot of speed, just a little speed, you know, a little like Adderall or something, right? Just to, so I can focus, so I can focus on what someone's saying that I don't want to hear. So, yeah, yeah, sure. But in order to to also be present with that, so if you take that speed, you have to have some alcohol so you don't look like a fucking speedhead. So <laughs> he's I gotta, really I gotta, focused. <laughs> gotta take it, gotta take it back a bit with a couple of couple of tankerays and Pember- soda. That Pemberton's really dialed in. Yeah, he's too <laughs> dialed in. He's got too many opinions for this fucking noisy party so yeah I ended up up drinking like more than I normally would and being hung over almost things where I haven't been hung over and like severely hung over in so long I thought I was having some sort of emotional crisis and actually I was just tired yeah I needed to not drink (laughs) yeah yeah but it's this thing where it fucks with you so severely that you kind of and that's me that's like a person who's not like I've had like a lot of health problems, but and you have, yeah, I've had all these bowel problems, like serious bowel issues and stuff. Are and they like fixed? Or are they still going? Pretty much. Maybe it's also just something where it's not so much fixed. Is it IBS? Yeah, I had, like I had IBS. I used yeah. to have IBS. Yeah, I'm yeah. on antidepressants now. It helped. I mean, I've been on antidepressants for quite a while, but my IBS went away when I went on antidepressants. That makes sense because I was so fucking well, stressed. Know, that's the thing. Stress is like seventy percent of most bowel diseases is stress. Do you have a lot of stress? You no, don't seem stressed to me ever. I'm not stressed. I'm pretty chill now. I'm pretty goddamn chill. Were you stressed? I guess I, like your anyone 20s? else. I don't know. Maybe I was. My I 20s I were very stressful because really? I didn't know what... Well, I was trying to figure out where I fit in in the right. world, which is kind of hard. I'm, especially looking, if you, I'm looking forward to 40. I can't wait. Really? Yeah, I want to be 40, man. I want to be, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I want to be 40. I really do. Because I feel like when you're 40, that's the year where... Like your thirties, you're so you're pissed about people in their twenties, like what they do. They're like, oh, they fucking twenty year olds doing this shit. Yeah, like fuck them. They don't know because you're kind of you're you're transitioning out of out of out of uh, youth and sort of uh, inexperience. But when you're forty, you just I feel like. I feel like when I'm 40, I will officially not give a fuck about anything, and I'll know what I like, and I won't care what anyone thinks about anything that I like. So I'll be, I feel like I'll be fully free to pursue what I want. Because I feel that's like kind of true. I, right. I'm 46, and that's that is kind of true. I will tell t- tell you it does, it does. I think life gets way better in the middle. I would imagine it gets way worse as you get older and start to get sick and stuff. Right. But at this point, I'm. I mean, this is the happiest I've ever been because I, I'm, I think I, um, seeing myself clearly and and um. You know, not not trying as hard, just trying to. I mean, also it's an AA thing. Like I, I don't go to AA all the time, but the stuff they teach you is pretty helpful. Like, right. just you can only it's it's you can only control like a very small amount. Of yeah, things. very small. You can only like 
you should be a good person. You should you should try and get the things done that you want to get done. If you want to be a famous comedian, like I would like to be, or you know, reach not I hate to say famous, but like I'd like to reach a lot of people. I mean, I'd like yeah. to reach as many people if I could talk to as many people as possible. I feel like I'd like right. to tell them some stuff. Yeah, and uh, you know, if that's what you want, then you should keep working toward that. Right. But you shouldn't get resentful yeah or and, compare and you should you should just keep moving toward that thing and that's about right. all you can control yeah and alcohol makes you crazy makes you just for me makes me just made me crazy i was so mad about everything yeah it, make, it changes your it makes you feel things that are disproportionate to the yes. reality yes that's true and that disproportionate stuff it tends to like the longer like the longer something is out of phase the further it gets from the the good path, the longer it's out of phase. So it's like this, it's like a fucking sine wave where it starts to be like if you start two songs at the same time and one start one a little sooner, sounds kind of cool at first. Get that fucking stereo flanging, yeah. get those get those dip those dropouts. But then after a while, it starts to be like this sounds terrible because mm-hmm. they just it sounds like shit. Yeah. And yeah. you shit in your yard. <laughs> I shit in my yard. Really? Yeah, I used to lock myself out of the house all the time. So you'd shit in your yard? Yeah. And I will only one time. I shit in my yard. And here's the worst part about it, though. I shit in the yard. I've never told anybody this before really? either. I, and I, if my brother listens to this, he's going to find out something he didn't know. Because I shit in the yard... And then when I was pulling my pants up, I stepped in my own shit. <laughs> and um, and then oh, like human, human shit is like a real... It's bad. Sticks around for a long time. Like I pretty much... And I really like these boots I got on eBay that I right. stepped in the shit with. And it got under the heel though. So they really smelled like... I mean, they smelled like human shit for like, I don't know, like a year. Jesus like you could Christ. still smell a trace of shit. Oh my God. And uh, my brother the next day said... I don't know how still like because I couldn't get into like why he thought it was human shit but he goes did you shit in the yard <laughs> and I said no <laughs> and I actually mad about it you know yeah. because that's what you should do if someone accuses you that and you didn't do it right. you would not just be like no no you'd be like no way what are you talking about so that's what I did I was like because I'm a good actor I was like right. no way <laughs> yeah right yeah right shit yeah sure I shit in the yard but I never got to say the second part of the qu- what I really wanted to know was like how the fuck did you know it was human shit? Did it have corn in it or something? I can, I, mean, tell, I can tell human shit from dog shit. Well, my brother can too. Yeah. Did you sit in the yard? No. You didn't sit in the yard? Nope. Hey, so what actually, like we can kind of wrap it up here. Yeah, kind sure. Wrap it up. Um, but you talked, you talk about all this different stuff that happened, like warning signs. But what was like the thing that actually got you to kind of like quit drinking? Were you just got, were you just tired of it at some point? Were you just, I was getting tired. You're just tired of the, I couldn't do it as well. I could. The hangovers were starting to um, last all day, and they, they like you didn't for even up until my mid thirties. I would get that like over the hump kind of thing around one o'clock, and then you'd start to feel like better and better, right. and then you'd be like, hey, I can go out tonight. Like in the morning, you'd be like, I'm not going out tonight. I'll tell yeah. you that. But then later in the day, you'd start to feel better. But I there would be there. It's just started being like you felt bad in the morning. You felt worse, 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 worse. You ma- barely made it through work, and then you went home and collapsed. And yeah. uh, and that was getting rough. Um, and then also emotionally. So then I started to cut down. But then if I didn't drink every day and keep it in my system, then I would start getting depressed. So the days I would get drunk, I would get drunk. But then the next three days, I'd be so depressed I could barely form a sentence. Because you'd be sober. Yes, and because I would, I was drinking enough that I was drinking every night, and I was basically using it as medication. Right. 
And if I drank enough, I kind of would keep alcohol in my system all the time. Like even in the morning, oh, wow. I'd be still kind of giddy from being still drunk kind yeah. of thing. And I, that was what, that was my plan was just to like drink enough. So like it kind of carried me through every day and then started again at night. But when right. I stopped being able to do that and I just had to soak up a real hangover and not drink for a couple of days, yeah. like I would just get so depressed that it ended up ruining my week anyway, whether I drank or I didn't drink. Cause okay. if I drank two days a week, it would still make me depressed for the other days. And then I went to the hospital because my sister came home when I was out in the yard um, in my underwear with the dog, mm-hmm. but I wasn't with the dog. Like we were just both out in the yard in separate parts of the yard. Oh, like the dog wow. was doing his thing. I was doing my thing kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's one thing to be out in the yard with, with the dog. Like if I was playing catch with the dog or something in my underwear, you just, you just have it at both but days. like just hanging in the yard with the dog, like <laughs> in separate parts is just sort of, it's, you're not really supposed to, that's kind of weird. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I, uh, my sister said, what are you doing? And I didn't know what was happening. And then I realized that I didn't know what was happening. I couldn't see right. And I flipped out. And then the, I was just like, I was okay for a while. But then when the ambulance guys came, they thought I was tripping and they were making fun of me. So they were oh. like, how are you feeling, buddy? Oh. You're seeing a lot of things. Like, assholes. And I was mad. Yeah. I mean, I was mad. But then I was like, fuck, I am like, I'm not tripping. And I don't know what's happening to me. Tripping's safe. You'd be fine. I know at least what I was doing. Yeah. yeah, why it was happening. So then once I then I started freaking out and like they had to tie me to the fucking stretcher. And Shit. Not tie me, but whatever they, you know, they probably they don't have restraint. Like, they don't have ropes. Yeah. <laughs> get the ropes. Get the ropes. <laughs> so he so anyway, I went to the hospital, stayed overnight, yeah. and then I came out of the hospital and I started drinking again. Like and I was like, I'm just gonna tone it down. And my yeah. brother came to me and was crying and said and he'd never, you know, would ever uh whatever just was very finally i was like Emotional. oh like i get it yeah like i was like i'm just gonna it's no big deal and he was like it is a big deal it's a fucking big deal you were in the hospital you know it cost five thousand dollars for that oh shit uh they and i actually kept drinking a little bit longer but then i then i finally one day i was seeing my ex-girlfriend and she said i'm not gonna date you if you drink and i just everything came together and i said okay i'll quit and i never drank anymore so you just sort of stopped cold turkey kind of well i went to the aa yeah i needed AA very badly because uh it was a place to go it's a it was very supportive and answered questions about just how crazy and how self also how selfish that was a big how selfish drinking is okay yeah because it's all about how you feel. I have special problems. I need my medicine, basically. Yeah. Like I, you know, <laughs> right. And that was the way I treated my family. Right. You know, like I got a problem. Well, guess what? You fucked up my childhood, so I get this. Right. Oh, that makes and sense. And I'm like, yeah. I'm extra sensitive because I'm a fucking genius, and I I need this. There's like this. I was buying into this idea that my my need for it was somehow validated my idea that I was like a great artist because great artists need alcohol. Yeah. So in that way, I felt like I was maybe even better than other people for being an alcoholic. Yeah. And all that shit. Like it's not like my family wasn't aware of that stuff. Yeah. I just was unaware that they were aware of it. So afterward, I was just like, God. There was like a sort of arrogance to the like. I would tell my brothers and sisters like. Because we lived in the same house for a while, right? And it's a long story, but anyway, they, they, they. I would be like, "Don't, oh, I, I don't care how long I've been in that room. Don't open the door." Right. And that's just controlling. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. 
that's not that's selfish shitty behavior i didn't think of it that way but like they don't ever come to me and say i need listen asshole don't ever knock on my doors i'm doing important shit <laughs> you know because i've got special brain problems because i'm fucking smart <laughs> and you know for them they're just like i wish you would quit drinking so he'd stop acting like yeah. a dick yeah it's weird how chemicals and substances and stuff get like this is a weird thing i don't know how how it started or how to end it but there's this idea that a lot of people have like normal people have at least about arts and artists that that are i mean art and artists that they uh that you either need that or creativity comes from it which is total bullshit the creativity coming from it is really total bullshit yeah like people say that about jazz musicians like oh they're well they're all on heroin they're doing like no they're fucking not everything the the best stuff miles davis ever recorded the best stuff john coltrane ever recorded all that shit was when they were sober after they kicked that shit, not when they were... Like, you have like someone like Bill Evans, that piano player, genius sure. piano player. yeah. He couldn't fucking hack it, man, because he's too fucking high. And he would have been, like, the way bigger deal than he was. Mm-hmm. He's already a pretty, pretty big deal, but he couldn't play with Miles because he was fucking on junk all the goddamn time. It fucks you up. It's not... There's, there's, I guess there's moments of clarity between them where you're, you're fighting through the encumbrance of the... Uh, of the substance, and sometimes good shit gets out, but basically it's just slowing you down. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did, I did think that there were times where I, I think doing mushrooms was good for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think mushrooms are a drug. I really don't. They're not a drug. It's like a, it's like a therapy or something. It's that was good for me, you know, just to find out that newscasts are bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> like yeah. that kind of thing like just right. where you just laugh like oh, like you see things that you take seriously normally and you just laugh forever like, wow, at them this is so ridiculous. like you just see Ted Koppel and you just laugh for the rest of your life kind of thing yeah because the constructs like oh my god yeah. they're, like, they're like believing in Look this thing that they're living in they have on the screen yeah the situation room yeah, like t- I mean if you see the situation room with I Wolf see Blitzer now. I see it when you're fucking on, oh, I know but if you're on mushrooms you might as well fucking forget it you'll jump out the damn window it's like watching a fucking children like a bunch of children doing a play but they're not kids yes it's yes. so absurd it's it, so ridiculous I mean the, I, the pomp of it and the fear the well we should check in on this uh, that could be tri- quite troublesome what's going on there <laughs> well, nothing's happening yet and nothing will happen yeah but they all talk that crazy fear, way yeah fear. they're talking like a crazy Fear problem made There's up fear way problem yeah yeah and they talk in a way that, yeah like just made up and then and then I was watching I saw the Home Shopping Network when I was on uh, mushrooms and I and this is like in 1990 yeah and I just about I mean I I, ne- I never was the same just from seeing that just from seeing the Home Shopping Network on mushrooms it was wonderful yeah, I mean because it's just great. like this is culture is a is a is a mind control technique uh, uh, at least in America um, it's absurd it's not it's not uh it's not uh Anyway, anyway, so I recommend right. mushrooms, but yeah, alcohol. Um, I, a couple times when I was hungover, I wrote some funny song lyrics because I was just like yeah. loose. But I mean, I've done the best stuff I've ever done in my life in the last three and a half years, and I made it out here, which I was not able to do when I was drinking. I was very aware that I would come out here, and my version of networking would be to try to. Would I would drink my way through that, and yeah. I would die because I knew everybody in Nashville already, so All I was right. safe. Yeah, and yeah. I loved everybody in Nashville, but I was like, I can't do any more stand up here. Like I'm already kind of as well known as I'll ever be here, and I don't know how to move it forward. Right. And I was, I I figured when I came out here last July, 
I would at least not die because my feeling before when I thought about coming out here, which I thought about for a few years, because in 2007 I came out and did UCB. Okay, yeah. I did one show at Upright Citizens Brigade for what was their Tuesday night show, Comedy Death Ring. Yeah, yeah. I did that one night. Um, I wonder if I saw you. It was me, Melinda Hill, Howard Kramer, uh, uh, Bob uh, Oldenkirk, and Louis C.K. Oh shit, that's funny. And I did great. And I just, but I was so stupid. I was drunk. I just, after the show, I got drunk. Oh, and the host was Matt Bronger. I'm the only one on that whole show that didn't do shit or hasn't. I don't mean that. Now that nice. I've done shit, I'm on Twisting in the Wind right now. Twisting the Wind. No, oh, Twisting the Wind. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, being superficial is the main reason I'm successful. Uh, right, I'm like, yeah, Twisting in the Wind. I love it. Yeah. Uh, but I was too drunk. I went home and I sent an email. Though I sent an email to Scott Ackerman like a month later. I was just like, hey, I'd like to be on the show again. <laughs> He never got, you know, he never yeah. got back to me. Oh, he probably would have you back on the show again, but no, I mean, they never. No, I was, it was, it was just like they'll come to me. That's the other thing. Yeah, I thought like I was just Mister Come. I was just gonna lay in my bedroom with my oh, genius right. at work sign on the door, and then people were just gonna knock on it and be like, "We need you to uh, come down and yeah. do your do your thing at the." That's definitely the thing. That's why I always tell people who are starting off. It's like people think like they can't ask for stuff, but like yeah, you have to. You have to ask for what you want, otherwise you don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I'm still trying to get at that. I've been going to the therapist. Yeah. She said take a glass. She told me to take a glass of water. She's like, I always offer you to offer, offer you a glass of water. You never take it. Right. She's like, say yes. Take things. Do you want it? Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Why well, yeah. didn't? Or even just like you've got to. You're, you keep to yourself. Yeah, you got to take stuff. You have alcohol. Take, you can't feel bad about taking things. Alcohol gives you a lot of shame, makes you makes you want to be to your... You think right. you want to keep everything to yourself. You got a lot of shame. You got a lot of things you don't want to talk about right. that you did. You know, nothing too bad. No murders or anything. Right, but, but you know, just don't want to yeah, talk you about... Feel, you feel... Yeah. You just end up hiding a lot. Yeah. And... uh and saying no to things, like you right. know, because you're like, hey, can I, can you help me move? And you're like, no way, no, no, no. But that extends to everything, because you're like, well, I can't just say no to the no moving, so I'm gonna say no to everything. Yeah, um, that's what John Cage says. He says he has some thing. He has some list of things for artists, or it's like for actors, I guess. But it's I think it applies to other things. But he says something about uh, it has to do with saying yes to stuff, and basically always be. always just 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 uh, be going to something or coming from something. Like not really, not really in the sense where you're uh, making it up. Like you just had an appointment. You no, mean? not making it. Not making it up. <laughs> There's a, the people who do that. I took an acting class once, and they said that because we had an audition thing, like a little. We had a fake audition in the class, and this was a while ago. This is for people who really are not auditioning much. These are not successful actors. These are people right. who are still working and trying to trying to figure out how to act at all. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think I had a little bit of success at that point, so I kind of had I I'd, I'd auditioned enough to know how to be in an audition room, at least at least somewhat. Yeah. Not the fucking Jedi I am now, but right, I of mean, course. like yeah. like a thing where. <laughs> well, I see this office. This place is incredible. Yeah, yeah this is my Jedi. It's a hot tub Jedi gurgling spot. right next, <laughs> next to me. But like they would like uh, I'm trying to think what it was. Like it, I went in there and this the mock audition, and I think I said something stupid about the weather. Like making fun of uh, making fun of the convention of talking about the weather. Not so much. I wasn't talking about the weather, but those fucking dinks thought like you know you, you got to talk about something more interesting. You got to talk about what projects you've been working on, and crap like that. I'm like, well, 
Yeah, I mean, they they know that. They know what I'm working on uh, <laughs> because that's whether I'm here. That's what my that's what your right. agent does and stuff. Right, that's why and I would get the audition. With, yeah. Right, I was fucking with them, but it's like, but it's that thing though where even though that was me fucking around, but there is something to be said about just being like a living person who's in in the same space as other people. Just like in, I guess it's like you know how uh, if you don't do something for a while, you lose the feel of it because you like fall out of it. Oh yeah. I guess it, you can make the case it's the same with just people you know or something. You know yep. what I mean? Because it ends up it, feel, it ends up feeling like that if you do something, if you do creative things, there's the idea of having your work separate from your life is not really a thing. Yeah. Because it is your this is the same fucking thing. You don't have time to have. Like oh this is my this is my non this is the people who are boring and dumb who I hang out with who have like Joe jobs or people you know there's like thing where at some point you can't kind of it's hard to be on that to be in that same sort of thing because it's just there's not it's like a different I don't know how to describe it so it's a, I know what you mean no different I, wavelength I know what you mean you have to stay in that same wavelength or at least kind of always be checking in with things or staying and staying engaged by things that are uh engaged with art either going to going to see stuff or having just seen something kind of thing where you're always it's like being it's like the nature of being progressive i suppose yeah you got progressive you're just sort of content and then you die (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. I, i mean i think that um uh I don't know. All I know is being 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 drunk for so long. It, it it was basically a process of being re-socialized like a human being. And and l- luckily, when you first, the hardest thing about quitting drinking is when you first stop, is your social anxiety goes through the roof. Yeah, I bet. And um, you realize that alcohol was making your social anxiety like a million times worse. Really? And yeah, because yeah. It, it's just like it's you have this ridiculous security blanket. I used to drink two beers before I'd ever even get to the party in the car. I would just like drive and drink two beers before yeah. I walked in. You know. Just to be loose and um makes you overthink social interaction it makes you makes it into like a performance it makes things fucking weird uh because you worry about how much you've had to drink or whether you're gonna drink or how much you know like you did you drink too much and all this stuff it makes socializing just turn into this like major performance basically right involving how much alcohol am i supposed to drink for the performance and it's just like a birthday party or something that's why it's supposed to be effortless like and then it shouldn't be a thing you think about that much. And then you get back to when you when you quit, if you're lucky and you stay for you stay so. And there, there are people with a much more extreme drinking addictions than I do. So I'm not yeah. saying this is always the case, but if you do lay off it for a year, that's when you start to feel like, oh my god, I might actually relax. <laughs> like you know, and that, but that yeah. takes a lot. That's when AA comes in because you need during that year somewhere to go where you can say, I'm losing my fucking shit. Yeah, I bet. Um, so that's the hardest thing about quitting drinking is you don't once you've got once you've invested twenty years into it it's not an easy people will say oh, I quit drinking for a week and I fuck it it's so boring it's like I get it I did that a million times yeah. like oh, I can quit whenever I want I quit for ten days one time it sucked it's like yeah and other drinkers will be like yeah tell me about it because they just want you to keep drinking anyway right. so you'll drink with them and and. You don't know shit after ten days. You won't know shit till six months. You know that's yeah. when you'll actually start to feel like, oh, there might be something better. Because the other way, you're just an addict who's like withdrawing for it yeah, takes a long time. You know, so you're just like missing your drug. So you can't say like I quit for two weeks 
It doesn't mean anything. It's just because during those two weeks, everything in your body's gonna be saying, "Go back, go give me it again." It's sugar. It's I'm used to it. Yeah. Uh, and then you're just in, a, in public. You're just gonna be used to it. You want a bottle. You want something to hold. You want the the ritual. And so I just feel so grateful for. You know, I if I this is stupid to say, but I, I kind of say it a bunch. Uh, just if I fell over tomorrow, I'm just grateful for the last uh, nearly four years I've had of being being present and being present for the people I love too in ways that I wasn't for the person for Lisa who I drank all her soup or for <laughs> you know or for or for oh, or for my own mother just in terms of like everything not just never like, calling her or any of that kind of shit yeah um so you want a beer <laughs> <laughs> yeah what I'm all horn, right I don't need any beer? beer I don't need any <laughs> beer people do that sometimes I um, bet it's like a reflex but it doesn't matter because yeah. If you fell apart that easily, then What's the you point? would not be recovered. I mean, yeah. you, if you someone just said you want a beer, and then that would be really bad. If yeah. I was seventeen, I would have yeah. Fuck yeah, Hoo-haw. I'll have ten, and then I'll fall in a river, and everyone will love me. I mean, I'll throw a pie at myself. I mean, that was what it was like. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Like you know, like I'm just gonna okay. exist like that. Pulling off of that, pulling out of that hole. Like clowning for everybody yeah. thing is important too as a stand-up to know how to let that eat so you not, don't feel like you have to be on all the time. Yeah, that's a thing. That's that's hard. It took me a while to figure that out too. I did it. I made a decision. I mean, I used to be try and be funny every minute of the damn day. That's why you can't hang out with squares too much because squares think it's like a, you're a comedy. Oh, you got to be funny all the fucking time. It's like, no, you're just a fucking square. Yeah, they get mad. They're mean to you too. Yeah. They say like, you're not funny. It's like no, you're just fucking. Neither bored. are you, but I'm not, you, nobody's giving you any shit. <laughs> you're just boring and bored. Yeah, you're no stand up. Yeah, fucking squares. I'm man. better stand up than you. Listen to this joke. Can't oh. s- squares can't live with them. Can't live without them. <laughs> you gotta have some squares out there. Some fucking pleb squares. Yeah. Yeah. Necessary to have some squares. Yeah, you gotta have someone to make fun of. Um, what's where can people find you? What's the best place to people find you? Well, uh, I live at one one three three. Justin, no, no. <laughs> uh, you can find me at um, shit nowhere. You um, can find me in the club. The best place, above. the best place to find me is actually uh, just Google uh, the Advice King. Okay, uh, it's my my advice column that I write for the Nashville scene, which is like the. LA Weekly of okay. Nashville kind of thing, and um, it was nominated in, it nominated in the top three columns in North America oh, by cool, this man. week this year's uh, like the Alternative Association of Newspapers. Big big deal. That's great. I mean, there are like hundreds of columns. Of, like I didn't win, even though I should have fucking won. Well, who I mean, cares? The other two columns are so fucking stupid. Yeah, that's better. It's better to not win and to be. No, up there. mine's too weird. But but it's exactly because yeah. if you win, then you're like, yeah. Oh, I guess it's not that interesting. No. it's like the Emmys, man. You win an Emmy, no greater shame in this world than winning a Grammy. Yes, of course. If you're, co- if you're of course. a band and you win a Grammy, shame. Definitely. Such shame. Talk about driving someone to do drugs and drink. You win a Grammy. <laughs> You just yeah. been anointed by the fucking Illuminati cocksuckers yeah. of the universe. Yeah, damn, you're damn they, right. They like they like me. What am I doing wrong? Hell yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think I think Rob Thomas and Santana won about seven hundred Grammys. Probably, yeah. man. That's, um, that's the fucking. That's got, a reference got, to Johnny's act. <laughs> it's got the code in it. It's got that fucking code. Uh, 
It <laughs> sure does. It's tapped out on the on the fretboard by Carlos. It's got theta waves uh, in it that tell you to go shove buy stuff. It lands in. <laughs> <laughs> You're damn right. Yeah. Um, well, so people check that out. Check that shit out. <laughs> so so yeah, go to uh, that. Really, the Advice King has all the. Once you go to the Advice King, you can find my podcast from there, and uh, uh, you can also go to the ChrisCroftonShow.com. Awesome. But uh, yeah, the Advice King's the most fun. Um, so the Advice King once a week. And uh, and uh, I really recommend it. I put so much effort into it, and it's it's. I'm very proud of it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Johnny Thanks Pemberton, so much. I, I really had a nice time. I did too. All right. And Next time on Twisting in the Wind. the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.